So welcome to another episode of The Shredder Show. Today I've got absolute pleasure of uh, an absolutely amazing, incredible guest that more people need to know about. Uh, so make sure you go and follow and check out his content uh, on Instagram and social media after this. So that is Mr. Nick Gloff, who has personally been helping a lot with my own training and exercise execution, helping me level up. And today we're going to discuss why you're not building muscle and what's holding you back. So welcome very much, uh, Nick, onto the podcast. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Um, so Nick, give us a little bit of a breakdown about your background and your expertise because your knowledge and in-depth precision, and we were just talking about before the podcast, his meticulous approach with everything with exercise execution uh, is insane. And that's what brought me to Nick is to really try and help level up everything I do to improve my physique, uh, to take that to another level and also help my clients as well. So give us a little bit of your background, Nick. All right. So I have a double degree in kinesiology and exercise science. Um, when I was in college, I minored in biology, which is a, a minor detail is how much that's really going to be exactly relevant to what we talk about today is not going to be much. But I also worked in a biomechanics lab for a few years, um, did some EMG research with an ACEs isokinetic uh, dynamometer, um, stuff that we could talk about another day if you ever wanted to have a, a longer form conversation about that kind of work that I did. But the bigger thing that's more important, aside from the formal education that I got in this field, um, it's more the experiential knowledge of having put a lot of attention to detail into the side of biomechanics and trying to look at what interplay between physiology we have with the physics of the world itself so that we can look at what the interface is and how we interact with everything in a way that's going to be the most fruitful for the goal that we have in place. So my attention to detail with mechanics specifically is one of the biggest things that I work on with all of my athletes and I am a bodybuilding coach that's my profession so as that is my profession one of the things that I you I do mostly and I do with you yourself is look at your movement patterns look at what your physique looks like look at the weak points look at what the indicators of a general problem are look upstream downstream of the problems that do pre uh, previously exist what movement inefficiencies they are uh, there are what kind of bottlenecks you have to your execution, your ability to not just execute on the movement in the sense of like form of an exercise, but how you can execute on a total plan, how your programming lines up to what your actual needs are, how, how much room do you have laterally to move between things and applications of exercises and how it is that you can go through those uh, working laterally through all of those things and how much scale do you have vertically from them? Being able to do a whole lot of things, but not really being able to do any of them well is useless. Being able to do a couple of things extremely well, but having the rest of the table be completely untouched is also useless. So looking at trying to be not a jack of all trades as somebody that is an athlete, but somebody that is, has enough breadth to their understanding of what their body can do, what it should do, and why it isn't, is looking at all the things that is going to be necessary for long-term progress and being able to stay doing the thing for as long as it would take for you to do, but to get to your end goal anyways. So um, as far as credentials go, I mean, I covered the degrees, uh, P, uh, PSL one uh, level coach. So that's uh, Jordan Shallow. Uh, shout out to the guy. I have to give him a shout out on every podcast I've ever been on. Apparently. Jordan's also been on the podcast, so Jordan's man. Yeah. So Jordan is the man, uh, the whole prescript group. They're all fantastic. Um, big respect to them. If you want to learn a little bit more about the type of stuff that we're going to talk about today, they would be some good people to get in touch with if you don't know anything about them anyway. Um, to not blow uh, too much smoke. Uh, that would probably be the best place to end that off before I start talking about mentorship of all the people that I've mentored and all the people that I've taught and the coaching and all this stuff. I'll talk forever about all the people that I've helped up to this point, but it's just not going to be fruitful for the conversation. 100%. I think one of the big things that I get um, frustrated with, to use the right language, when coaching and training people sometimes, and, and like this was me when I was younger, is that people sometimes have too much of an ego to accept trying to do something in a different way. So, for example, a uh, young guy might be early 20s, whatever, um, and he's like, oh, well, I've already built so much muscle, I've done X, Y, Z, and they're not willing to open their mind and try and do something slightly different way or take on a different thought process? Is that something you come across a lot? 
yeah, uh, for the most part, and especially people in this kind of realm in the bodybuilding world, or even just more tangentially in the fitness world at large, everyone has an ego. <laughs> and Absolutely, that, everyone. Has and that's an why ego. I love you, Nick, because you were just straight up, and there's no bullshit. Yeah. So everyone, even even I have an ego. Uh, don't don't let me play you. No, but you, but you're not you're not um, you're not fake with your ego. So a lot of people have you. You are who you are. Whereas um, I get in touch, hugely frustrated with the fitness industry because so many people just aren't. It's like a facade, and like, yep. I am who I am, and you are who you are, and that's why I have the utmost respect for you. Yep, it makes it a whole lot easier when you're not two different people yeah. in front of you know exactly. But all of us have an ego, and the biggest thing for people that actually make progress within this space is knowing when to put it aside and knowing that you don't necessarily have to shut up your ego, but you have to be able to use it. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that ends up kneecapping people is the fact that their ego gets in the way of ever learning something new because they've gotten so tied up in the fact that they're right or they're doing the right thing for themselves for whatever reason they've convinced themselves it is. And then it just never expands beyond that point. And whatever limitations are set by the mindset that they have or the, the approaches that they know how to do by that point, that's always going to be a limitation if they never look beyond it. There's always going to be some limit to it. So being able to look at objectively where you are and where you want to be and knowing that you might not have all the pieces yet that are going to bring you to that end goal, you need to understand that, I mean, if you're going to set a high goal, you need to have an ego to do that. And you have to be, there's going to be some things that are non-negotiable about how it is that you're going to approach what you're going to do. And part of that is having a strong enough ego to tell yourself, no, I'm doing this and this is how it's going to go. And we're going to make all this happen. Part of it. But then having the ability to step beside yourself and say, okay, I can't get in the way of the fact that for me to do this, I need some outside support. I need to learn something. I need to experience these things. And from that point, I'm going to grow into the person that may not need the support, but for now, this is exactly where it needs to be. And as you complete in, you complete task by task and progressive milestone along the way, you'll find that that chasing down that next goal is always going to lead you towards another rabbit hole, another thing that you're missing, another thing that would be additive to you, whether or not you're missing something, there's always going to be more. And if there's always going to be more, you're going to need somebody that has that more that you're going to need. It's always going to be a matter of looking outside of yourself to find what it is that you don't have yet. So that would be my cap on that, I would say. 100%. I think it's um, the way I look at things a lot is the same as fitness and business is like, what's the bottleneck that's holding you back? So for example, um, respectively, my knowledge of nutrition and health, I would say is very good. And that's not why wasn't my uh, limiting factor where I'm at at the moment. My limiting factor is my mobility issues, which we have identified, which are numerous, uh, and uh, some exercise execution, which can be further improved. So it's identifying what your real weakness is, and then like going about fixing those, and like and being patient with it because uh, it's a long-term process, and it's a big thing I find people get frustrated too quickly where um, they throw in the towel after a week, 10 days because they haven't necessarily seen results. And the reality is like it might take you three to five weeks for suddenly your body start firing up and getting the results you're wanting to and, and start feeling the movements. There's, there's going to be a different time period that's going to have to elapse for everything to unfold. And if you know what the process looks like, it doesn't matter how long the process goes. That's one of those things, especially talking more specifically to you so mm -hmm. we can make this personal with some of the mobility issues and the exercise execution issues that you do have, they're stemming from central points. The central points are hard to access because they're covered up by a lot of downstream problems. Those downstream problems are pretty easy to see and it's easy to convince yourself that those are pretty easy fixes because it may just look like I need to rotate this thing here. I need to turn this thing here. I need to be aware of this thing here, but really it's all, it's covering up a bigger problem where the bigger problem is always going to feed back into a dysfunction elsewhere, even if visually it's not there. So your ability to be mobile enough, stable enough, accurate enough, so that your efforts are going to do what they're actually intended to do, and they're going to be qualified to a point that the quantity of them is useful to you, that's going to take time. And for each one of the things that we're going through, it's going to take a different amount of time. 
because we're going to be feeding into the system exactly what it needs, when it needs it, when it presents us the opportunity to do so, so that every opportunity we take is not pushing you over the edge to create another compensation elsewhere that creates a bigger issue somewhere else. As we move through, the body is, it's a crazy thing, it's a complex thing, but it's not, it's not an exotic thing. It's not a, there's no mysticism with this. There's not a dude sitting on the top of the hill with the wizard stick, passing down the tablets from on high. Down it's, it's yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's not how this works. Like there's no magic. It's just knowing exactly what you're looking at and being willing enough to look at a body and go, okay, this is where we're at. This is the next step. That's it. Next step is here. We're taking one step. One. Set your foot, get solid there, bring your other leg up to where that is, create the baseline and take another step. And that's it. And the next step is going to appear underneath your foot as you're stepping. But if you step too early, you're falling. It's like playing a video game, basically. So if you're playing a video game and you're walking through, oh, no, even better, even better. This just popped it. Perfect. Like in, in the Indiana Jones movie, they're walking across that chasm. Yeah. And it's just like, there's nothing under their feet. You can't see it. It's invisible. But as you take that next step, that next step materializes as you step to it. Something comes out of nowhere because everything comes from somewhere. That next step becomes self-evident as long as you're looking for all the cues to find it. And if you're willing to look at it and take the time that it's necessary instead of trying to force it, you're going to see those things happen. It's going to materialize. And as time goes on, those changes will occur. Those upward trajectories of efficiency and proficiency is going to come. It just takes time. I think one of the big things that, which I think a lot of people need to take home is everyone has that thought process of you need to work harder, you need to work harder, you need to work harder. But if you work harder doing the wrong things, you're going further and further in the wrong direction. Whereas in reality, what you need to be doing is you not necessarily working harder, but working smarter and almost changing course and you might not even have to work so hard, but you just need to have more of an intelligent approach. Mm -hmm. So it's always got to start with being smart before you're working hard. But knowing that working hard is going to be the base of what actually gets you to where you're going to go is also important. So that's kind of another thing that's similar to the ego conversation is that you kind of have to, there's going to be some basic things that are always going to need to be there. You're going to have to have some drives in there that are going to be non-negotiable. They're going to be present. You need to know when to push and pull on them but they're always gonna to have to be there in one form or another. And if that is an aggressive push on trying to do something correctly, doesn't mean that you're taking it to the max effort possible, but you're putting in your best foot forward to do the thing right, and that is where the effort is being placed. Doesn't mean that the intensity of effort has to be high. That's a very good point. I think the first thing that comes to mind that with me is, um, for example, the activation and warm-up exercises, mobility drills, like, that's not necessarily an intensive exercise that like you're not going in there going to be like the, in a deadlift the 10 rep max or whatever, but you still have to intensely be accurate and consciously thinking about what you're doing and be paying attention and actually being coherent with doing it. Well, I think a lot of people um, who aren't maybe at a more advanced level do, do, don't see the value in these things yet because they don't quite fully understand it yet. And something that more advanced people do fall into as well is that once you get to a certain level, it's not really, uh, it's a bad way to say it, but when you get past a certain level, you kind of look at things as if you're above them. It, somebody that's been training for 10 years, 15 years, it, you look back on like, I don't need to do this stupid drill. I don't need to, I know what I can do, I know what I can't do. But that exact statement of I know what I can and can't do is exactly the limitations that are being set by the fact that you don't know where your true your true parameters are because you're not continuously testing them. You're just staying within the means that you know you have control over. If you're always staying within the means that you know you have control over, over time, if you're not expanding those means, you're going to keep on getting a narrowed and more narrowed lateral scope of what you're able to do. And eventually it's going to narrow to nothing and you have no options. And that's where advanced, especially advanced people start going wrong. That you start looking at what is available to you in a sense that I know I could show up on this day and do this. I know that this is what I could do. Or you start telling yourself that I know my body enough that this is what responds well for me. That is a trap. 
that 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 is the most common thing you hear is like oh no no that, that doesn't work for me it's like well does it really yeah how far have you taken that how how deep have you looked how do you know if it worked for you better than anything else you've done or or are you just emotionally attached and habitually attached to doing a certain thing a certain way because that's what it's done for you up to this point and for whatever reason you liked it questions answers if the answer is always going to be well i really don't think i need to try that well you're le you're leaving possibility on the table at every turn it's uh, people's own narrow-mindedness respectfully i think well that happens as it's a natural consequence of being good at something mm. as you get i mean talk to somebody that's like an astrophysicist it on a, if you go and have a conversation with one of them and start talking about, I don't know, just mechanics of throwing a ball, they're just going to look at you crooked and be like, this is below me. <laughs> Why? I know how to get a rocket into space. Why are you talking to me about gravity and how far a ball can be thrown with an initial velocity of X? Why do I care? I don't. So leave me alone. But those same things, all the same kind of mechanics, all, all the types of, all the physics that goes into something as simple as that is still going to be present in something that's a larger scale. All the same general principles are going to apply. They're going to be applied differently and the context is going to be different. But knowing that all, all the things that are infinitely more complex have to start with less complex subparts is something that you start to miss more and more and more as you get more you gain more foundational knowledge in something through experience and through rote learning. As you start accumulating that, the language that you think and speak in starts to become that. You start to see, feel, hear things in the language that you learn through your experience and the rote learning that you've done up to that point. If you're advanced in that, then you look back on all the things that are foundations and you just skip right over them because it's just the language you think in. It's just the language you see. It's all, it, it's just like, it's like breathing. It's like, why do I care? Why do I care? I know how to do this thing. I, why do I need to listen to this? Because it doesn't apply to me. But then you tend to forget that it's all the foundations that go together that build the structure above. The structure above might be infinitely more complex than the cement foundation. But is it still important? Hell yes, it's important. If you have a crack in your foundation, doesn't matter how complex the structure is above it, there's gonna be a problem. We tend to miss that as we get more advanced. I think it's often with a lot of those things, people um, massively overlook everything other than the skeletal, like muscular system. People are just looking at, that's all they look at. They don't think about cardiovascular systems. They don't think about everything that's like layered below that, which ultimately defines everything. They only look at, look at one side of the coin or one side of one part of the picture, if that makes sense. And when we do look at those, we look at them in such isolated ways that we just don't, we don't pay any credence to the fact that they're all interplaying off of one another. So something to go off of a tangent on this one is looking at the state of biomechanics, because that's close to my heart. Um, in training right now, there's a lot of people that would call themselves knowledgeable in biomechanics, which is cool. Claim all you want. But when you really get down to it, most of what we're looking at is not really biomechanics. Most of it, people are just looking at bony structures. They're looking at how joint structures articulate with each other. They're looking at forces. That's it. They're not looking at the interplay between the skeletal system the actual like single joint systems in aggregate together, what the forces upon which, which one is going to be the most consequential, which ones tangentially related up or downstream are going to have an effect on the one that you're most concerned with. Not looking at those things, not looking at how the muscular system is actually interplaying on all dimensions of every single bony system that we have, how the nervous system interplays over that, how even the vascular system has an interplay over things. Like there's, there's nothing that looks deep enough into any of the pieces to say all of these, all of these systems that you can parse out and put side by side next to each other to look at, to get the details down. The details matter, 
but they all need to be integrated into one coherent structure or else you're looking at one single system and making determinations off of that, making decisions off of that, looking way too deeply onto one thing. And then when you, when you start to layer on another, another layer of complexity to it, which is what happens when you put another system on it, those assumptions, those things that you've decided, they, they no longer count. The basics in which you built that still matter, but how it really works in application in reality completely changes. But we have the inability to look beyond just the muscular system or just the skeletal system to see that like, okay, these things, even though by themselves they make sense, put them next to each other, put them over each other, it doesn't work anymore. So what do we need to adjust in the way that we're looking at this so that we can take in all the factors that are necessary to make real applicable assumptions about what needs to happen so that we can move forward with it? Looking at base foundations is good. Looking at only base foundations when you have application in mind is not enough. This is something that we get dragged into all the time, especially right now because it's a trend. So. That's, that's especially something that, that irks me about the state, of the state of the fitness industry right now. But, you know, I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> um, when it comes to your thought process in terms of building maximal muscle tissue, do you think uh, strength and progressive overload is the key driving force to pay attention to, providing uh, form is adequate and kept consistent? Absolutely. It is the lowest hanging fruit for literally every single trainee. What other options do we have? Nothing. Eating the, the, really, nothing. Quantify. nothing. Nothing really. And exactly. That's the that's the key. That that was good. That you was can't, good. can't measure it. Exactly. All the measure, other things. Measure that the pump. At, right. What, how useful is that? How useful is that? If you don't have a progressive model that looks at what is tangible that you can look at, no, this changed. Objectively, this changed. <laughs> Hold on. Just a second. Postman's done up. <laughs> We're good now. Cool. Um, so what you just said is important. So nothing that you can quantify you can't qualify it really either because your qualification of whatever that is, say the pump, your qualification is going to change day to day by how you feel about it. What does that matter? What is it really going to give you? If you're not looking at, I mean, if you want to look at it day by day, sure. Maybe that gives you a general trend of like, okay, today's session was all right. I felt okay about it. Maybe I moved away faster or maybe I, did it under more control or the pattern felt better or I got a good pump off of this thing and all, all great things, good feedback. But span that over the course of a year, how many actual tangible progressions do you actually make using those as your yardsticks? Nothing, nothing. Maybe you trended in the right direction because you were following the fact that every session along that time was a decent one just by the metrics you already made because generally those metrics are going to lead you in a positive direction. Fair enough point. But how far are you taking it? You don't know. You don't know how much is left on the table. And if you're here to recreationally do this and to get a little bit better over time, have at it. That's totally okay. But if you want to make tangible progressions over the long term, so that when you, when you have a big end goal, you know that you can make it to the end goal, you need to be quantifying these things. You need to be looking at what it is that's going to give you the most bang for your buck on each stimulus, every bout that you go in to do so that you can actually make it there. And by all means, what is, what is the thing that we have the most, the, the most unlimited runway on of all things? The amount of load on a bar. How much, how much room on the end of a bar do you have? A lot. I'll make it easy for you. A lot. Well, a lot of pounds. A whole lot of pounds. A lot of kilos to move. If you go from, I mean, this is a statement that's been beat on for forever. 
but you start off being able to barely bench, you know, a plate per side. You get to the point where you're benching three plates per side. You're going to be a bigger human being. Do the same thing with your squat. Same thing with your deadlift. Same thing with literally any other movement, whether or not it's a barbell. Look at how much, how much time does it take for you to get all the way down the cable stack on whatever movement, cable lateral, bicep curl, tricep extension, doesn't matter. How many more pins do you have to go? And then once you get to the bottom of that, can you put a gym pin in it and put another plate on it? Yes, you can. Now, how do you standardize that stimulus? Easy. You just do all of the same points of execution. You stay exactly as proficient on those as close as you can. You standardize the amount of time it takes throughout all the, the phases of the movement itself. You go through your movement quality, the quality's there. What else is there? You have repetitions within a certain target range and you have load moved. You were limited on how many reps we can do, realistically. Because for us to get a stimulus that's actually worth getting, you're going to have to come pretty close to a failure point. Pretty close or all the way to. And as you get into higher rep targets, your ability to hit a true failure point diminishes. You're going to be stopped by other things that aren't mechanical failure. It's just going to be the case of it. Unless you're a psycho and your pain tolerance is ridiculous, you're doing a target of 30 reps on a movement. You take it all the way there straight through with no rest pause, no breathing extra. Like you just take it all the way there. You're first of all, you're psychotic. One, it's amazing. Good for you. But by the time that you get to that point, what stopped you? Was it just that the pain was so much you literally, you just could not make yourself, you couldn't will it to happen again? Or did you actually fail and you the muscle tissue that you were training could not generate enough force to move the load through space one more time, which happened. As you get into higher rep targets, the likelihood of it being pain is much higher. Or you're just convincing yourself that, no, this is about time. This is about it. We're pretty close to failing. It's okay. It's time to be done. You stay within reasonable rep targets that we would typically do for bodybuilding purposes, We've already obviated out one of those progressive uh, methods. One of those variables that you would look at for what you can change over time is uh, to make progressions happen. Rep targets. How many reps can you do with X amount of weight? The weight doesn't ever change, and that's what we're looking at as a solid variable that doesn't go anywhere. What do you have left? You have sets to do. How many sets can you feasibly do? That's limited as well. Really, how, how, many, how many sets of side laterals do you have time for? Honestly, do you want to be doing side laterals for two hours? I'd say not. But if you start off with a dumbbell lateral that's at 10 pounds at the beginning of a career, and you're dead set on the fact that progression and load is not actually going to be that fruitful for hypertrophy, cool. Stay, stay 10 pounds. See how long it takes you before you don't grow anymore. See how many methods that you can try to exhaust with that load and see how limited your ability to progress is in the long term. Quite. Quite limited. I'll answer it for you. Quite limited. So what is the lowest hanging fruit, the easiest thing to change? You bring the pin on the stack down. You add a five-pound plate. You pick, the, pick up the bigger dumbbell. Simple. Easy. Trackable things that you can look at and create solid goals for. Whether you feel good about doing it or not, it's something that you can look at in, a, in objective reality and say, no, this can happen, this will happen, this is what's been done before, this is where I need to go to make that next performance progression. And there you go. Lowest hanging fruit is where you need to exhaust most of your energy. Look at what you can take. Take the lowest hanging fruit and then use all, once you've taken that, you need to go higher. You need to go and use all those other methods. You need to change the volume. You need to change the intensity techniques. You need to change how you stagger the, the exercises and how you structure an entire day or an entire week or the mesocycle and what your actual goal of progression through that time is. What are all the other things that take a little bit more complexity for you to understand and apply as progressive methods? Those are things that you look at later. 
Those are things that you look at once it's self-evident that you need to look at them. But up until that point, you have a very, very easy, simple, and intuitive way of creating tangible progress over broad time. And that's progressively overloading through load itself. And to say mechanical tension and loading are the things that are the most tied to hypertrophy result. That's just, that is what it is. That is the mechanism that is going to be the most fruitful for creating hypertrophy as a response. So how do you, how do you use that information to guide your decision-making? You exploit it. How do you get more mechanical tension? More load. Dead. Simple. There goes the complexity. It's mic drop. Question for you, uh, Nick. How important is it something you recommend that people do when looking to grow maximal muscle mass? Obviously, we've confirmed that progressive overload is the way to go. Uh, would you recommend people set definitive strength goals for like, say, eight-week blocks, six months, 12 months, things like that? You should be looking at some tangible goals. And those are going to change over time. I mean, as you're trying to get like progress through them, keep an eye on your pace of how it is that you're progressing towards them. So if you have a goal of like trying to move up by a plate on something, anything, if you're, if you're not making concessions on your rep targets to be able to do so, so you're staying within like, I don't know, we'll take a six to eight rep range. You're staying within the six to eight rep range and you're not going, mm, I want to get that plate up. I'm going to move to four. You're not doing any of that. Then how are you going to get there? You're going to have to actually literally progress in some way that's going to be tangible. That's going to actually require you to be better by the time that you got there. Not just exploiting a one-off daily performance that you just magically got that number up. Okay. So if we're looking at longer term or moderate term or shorter term goals on how you're going to perform with load on the bar changes, track them out see what needs to be done by that point. Make sure that all the other things that go in the background are all down. So food, sleep, all the, all the normal things that have all been beaten to death, your recovery metrics, your performance things that happen outside of the gym. Make sure everything that refers to that is being taken care of. Then by that point, you can look at your trajectory and how quickly you can get there. If you're not changing your program structure to, to allow for an, a one-off performance, like I said, then you're going to have a pretty easy gauge of how long it might take for you to get there if it's not a new movement. If it's a new movement, there's going to be a learning phase. That learning phase is going to give you an artificial inflation. So you're going to see that when you put in a new thing, you're going to not be as good at it the first time. Your load's going to be down. Your, your feel on it's not going to be really there quite yet. Like There's going to be some things that are off. Each time you came back to it, you're going to pop up and load. You're going to pop up in your feel. Everything's going to get like cleaner and cleaner and cleaner on. And you're going to see that like I'm making huge jumps. You put your barbell back squat in and you start at like, I don't know, give it two plates. Like, well, okay. Two plates was okay. Next week, like two and a half felt exactly the same. Move better though. Then the next week, like, we'll, we'll see three because two and a half was easy and I passed the rep target. Three goes up. Maybe the next time it's three and a 10. Maybe the next time it's a, another three and a 10. So that's two tens. Maybe it's a 25. Maybe you make it all the way up again and you make little smaller prog uh, progressions week by week by that point, but your rate of change is huge. For you to expect that that rate of change is gonna happen over a whole mesocycle, you get from a two-plate squat to a six-plate squat in a couple months. I don't know of anybody that's ever done that. So to say that you're going to look at a new mesocycle and decide that, okay, this is where we're going to go. Have some realistic goals, but be able, to, be able and willing to change them as things appear to change. Having big goals is something that is, this is another point, but I want to finish this one first before I catch myself going down another rabbit hole. Um, when you're going through the phase of looking at all the things that you want to have done, make sure that you're keeping it as a rolling tab. You want to see where you're going. You want to have your eyes set on moving forward. And you want to have yourself set up with a big enough goal that you really have to chase. 
So if it's just something that you know that you're going to hit, if you just keep on somewhat moseying through what you do, it's not a useful goal to have in the first place. But if you set your expectations to a point that like in the first couple of weeks of having a new mesocycle, you've initiated with new things. New things are going to give you an art artificial inflation of the rate of progress. And you're going to be way hurt by the time that you get to the end. Cause you're gonna be like, dude, I missed it by like this huge margin. I don't know what, I don't know what went wrong. Nothing went wrong. You were just too rigid in your goal setting. And that's not helpful. This is the rabbit hole though. As much as it is important to be able to look and make realistic goals, you need to make unrealistic goals as well. And that can be a longer term thing, but they need to be, they need to be unrealistic. And looking at where you can realistically be is always going to be the formula to be mediocre. Forever, forever mediocre. Like it, you're not going to get anywhere. Like that's actually impressive. If you're looking at what is realistic for you, because what do you determine is realistic for you? So what you've done previously to this point and what you think the limitations of your ability currently are, but what are we trying to do by pushing forward? Find a new limit to our capacity. If we're always basing what you can possibly accomplish by what you know you've accomplished before, you're going to be limiting yourself because you're not giving yourself the benefit of the doubt that you have more in you by that point. You need to know that there's more. You need to believe always that there's more. And if there's always more, you need to be willing to go and chase it. So having something that seems literally impossible to ever pull off needs to be a part of the thinking process. If you think only with what you can achieve right now, then you have only looking at it from one direction and thinking about how far can I go? Instead of looking at on the other end from chasing, like if you're looking at it down this path, you have one thing you're looking to do. That's it. You're looking at it from a place of being realistic of where you are now Instead of looking at it from both directions of being, this is where I am now, this is where I'd like to be, but this is really where I need to go. Going from where I really need to go and then looking back is like, is that goal going to be the last one that I hit? Or is that just one of the million of them I got to do before I get there? How much significance do I have to put on it? So it needs to be something that you crush that goal like you were just breathing. If you want to make it somewhere, you can't have you can't be the meme of the guy that like you take, you take the little, the little picture of the dude sitting on the podium, like spraying himself with champagne with the, the metal in his hand and then getting a wide out shot of him being like 10th. Useless. Give yourself a huge celebration for hitting a goal. Good job. But how many more of those do you need to do before you really hit the unrealistic goal that you had in the first place? Do you, and almost everybody that is especially like real bodybuilding or real like powerlifting or like sport minded individuals, real progression minded individuals, not just fitness people. If that's where your mindset is, then you should already intuitively be looking at something that's near impossible for you to imagine happening. Everyone that's ever done bodybuilding that actually has a competitive mindset is going, I want to, I want to be an Olympian if not just be an Olympian and stand on the stage and maybe like take a last and go home and say that I did it. Do you want to be the best in the world? You better be treating it like that. You better be thinking about it like that. Are you looking at your strength goals as if, no, I want to be the strongest human that has ever lifted a thing ever. Big goal, very big goal. But are you treating yourself in the goals that you're looking to achieve as if you're trying to do that? You should be, because then at least if you don't make it there, you're going to make it as far as you possibly could have anyways. So if you keep on making things too realistic, you're just never going to go anywhere that's worthwhile for you to chase anyways. So there. And you, you won't put in the, the action required anyway, because you'll just coast. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's the biggest problem with like two, a lot of small goals that are easily achieved. You got to have something that's so huge that your, your small goals need to be like breathing. They can't be a celebration every time because you need to do it. You need to do it to make it there. It's not something that you had to exert into doing because this was the big, every little goal is not your Olympia win. Every little goal is a step of the way that needed to happen. So treat it as such. You needed to do it. Good job. You did it. Step forward. Take another step. Crush another goal crush another goal. Keep setting bigger and bigger expectations 
bigger and bigger goals and keep on pacing them out so you know you hit them. But make sure that you're keeping in mind the fact that you need to make it to your end goal. And you don't have an unlimited amount of time to get there. So there needs to be urgency. To give some context to that, so like say for example, we're talking about strength goals, like one big exercise that I want to get, well, I want to get good at all of them obviously, uh, and stronger. So like realistically in my head, I don't know how you look at numbers for, for projective goals. So for example, incline bench, I think I did 130 for six the other day. It's pretty cool. Um, goal would be say, for example, within the next two months to get that say up another 10 kilos to 140. So that'd be three plates, which I think is realistic. Don't know if you'd agree. And then my long-term ambitious goal is I want to be able to do four plates, which obviously is a big jump. But that's where my mind is, if that makes sense. Is that the way you would look at, look at that sort of objective? Yeah, for sure. That, that's the right way to do it. But even then thinking four plates, is that where you want to end? Is it? Or do you want to see how far you can fill a bar? Because that, that's where it really comes. Like being, without being like all nebulous and cryptic and talking in, you know, just trying to make it sound fun. Look at what you're actually doing in the gym. How much runway do you have? You literally have until you fill the bar. Have you filled the bar yet? No, you have work to do son. And that's it. And that's it. And if you start making concessions about like, mm, I'm at two and three quarters of a plate, want to see if I can get to three. If I can get to four, I'll be good. Ain't enough, man. Ain't enough. Because if you can get to four. You won't fall. Yeah, it, yeah. If, if you can get to four, you, you obviously had the ability to progress by a plate, didn't you? Yeah. You were able to gain the capacity to do that. So what's to say you can't do it again? Nothing but you. You're the one saying it. So stop telling yourself that. Because you can make it up there if you decide you're going to. And if you can't, you'll find out along the way. But you better believe or else it's just never going to happen. And very likely, you'll never make it to the, the initial big goal that you decided was the big goal. If you decide that four plates is like where you're going you're gonna to be content, and that's where the goal is, then you're going to likely end up making it to the point where like you're going to get to like three and a half, and you're like, mm, almost there. It's a, we're good. I'm happy with this. This is okay. But if you decided, nah, I'm, I'm going to fill a bar. We're, we're just going to do that. And I don't care what, it, I don't care what has to happen. I'm going to make it happen. You're going to get a hell of a lot farther than, than three and a half plates. And you're going to do whatever it takes to get there within means, obviously. So that's the way I look at it. And the reality as well as the process, if your goal is maximal muscle development, if you go from benching, say incline to three plates to four plates, Chances are you're going to have a very different physique by the time upper body thickness by the time you get to four. Yeah. Yeah. And that's making the assumption that everything else is also following in that mm -hmm. path. You know? So like by the time that you're incline pressing four plates rather than three, then you'd also be hoping and really expecting that your squat has jumped up too. Mm -hmm. your, dead, your deadlift pattern, whichever one that you choose to do as your main uh, hinge, that's popped up too. Your curls have popped up, your lateral raises have popped up, your tricep extensions, your machine tricep press, your overhead press, with all of these things that are all going to be other movement patterns, you're expecting that by the time that you get to that point, everything else has trailed up at the same pace, roughly. By that point, hell yeah, you're gonna be a bigger human being because you don't have a choice otherwise. That's the way it needs to be looked at. Because if we're looking at it as in isolation of this, because this is where people like to poke holes in the idea of like you being a bigger person by time that you've gotten from three to four plates or two to three or whatever. If you look at it as purely the performance of one singular thing, and we look at it as like a strength goal, you can achieve that goal without really making, you can purposefully do this because like, this is really what powerlifters do. This is their sport. You get as strong as you possibly can within the means of the body that you already have. If you jump up a weight class, you're in a whole other pool of people that have maximized their ability within their, uh, their parameters too. So how, how much are you going to pale in comparison to their ability by that point? By a lot. So powerlifter, they're getting stronger at everything that they do. 
while staying within the means of the body they already, already have, for the most part. And they're going to maximize that body within the weight class that they have. That's the goal. So if we're looking at it that way, if you look at progressive overload and trying to get, get yourself a bigger human being by time that you've progressed from two, two plates to three plates or three to four on a movement, you could make that happen without having significant change to, to your body overall. But that's to look at it in too isolated of a sense. If we're looking at it as just the performance of a single thing, sure, sure as shit, you can make that happen. Wouldn't be that difficult to imagine that happening, to be honest. You could do it, but we're looking at it as the overall global goal. If you put more weight for the same execution, for the same rep targets on basically every movement that you do, by that time, you will be a bigger person. It's just going to be the case. It will. And then that's also assuming the fact that part of your goal is to move up and get a bigger human body anyway. So are you going to be eating in a deficit that whole time? No, you're not. So to make it this yes or no black and white type thing that like, is it necessarily going to be the case that if you progress on this lift by this much, you're going to be a bigger human being? Not necessarily. But it's getting way too abstract and trying to pull out all of the other things that go into the fact that you're chasing that goal in the first place. If you're trying to support getting to that goal, then you're going to look at the all rest of the program and everything that you do personally for you to make it happen. So are you going to achieve that goal by doing all the other things that are going to be required to achieve the goal? Yes. So that's enough of that one. That, that one also kind of annoys me. So that, that's where that comes from. I think there's a huge amount of relevance to that. I think what is interesting as well is where you're referring to powerlifters where they're essentially becoming more efficient at movements uh, rather than building muscle tissue, if that makes sense. Yep. Yep. That's, that's one of the major goals. I mean, the biggest thing that you're trying to do with powerlifting, especially is move with your leverages. You're trying to lean into what you have naturally as your assets to be better at the thing. How are you maximizing your ability to do the thing? Lean into what you have. Don't worry about what you don't. And then you just maximize everything within the parameters that your body sets for you. And that's, that's it there and done. There's no, there's no other things to think about too much. That's just the objective goal as it is. 100%. To give some concise information, start to wrap things up to help uh, people at home in terms of listening, who are listening to this, in terms of building muscle, what would be your three main focus points in training sessions. So for example, you would, you would get uh, someone to really nail down and try and focus on actually, say for example, getting tension through the muscle, actually getting the most out of the training session specifically. So three things to look out for. Or to like focus on or be mindful of. Three things to be mindful of. Okay. First of all, be mindful of your preparation not just mindful of your preparation outside of the gym before you show up, all that, although that's important, your preparation for every single lift that you're going to do for every single set, all of it. Your preparation for everything needs to be spot on. It needs to be identical every single time. That's something that gets way too easily overlooked by almost everybody. If you're not approaching the bar the same way for whatever exercise it is, then you're going to have a different result every single time. If you're not setting easy deadlift, if you're not approaching the bar in the same, geez, is that me or you? It's probably That's me. not me. It's you. You're a popular guy. No one, no one messages me, Nick. Oh, of course. Yeah. Right. You know, that's a whole bunch of, that's a load of shit. <laughs> um, that's just me being unprofessional and having WhatsApp up in the back. Gone now. Um, Preparation for every lift is going to be hugely important to the standardization of everything else within it. And if we're looking at the quality of every single unit of work that we're doing, we need to be able to qualify it. For us to quantify it, it needs to be standardized. You can't standardize the execution of anything if you don't set it up the same way every time. There's going to be a little thing here or there that's not going to be quite right. Not going to be fruitful. You're not going to hit your most efficient and proficient uh, ability to perform if ever, 
every, every single thing is like a little bit tinkered on. It's not quite a hundred percent. Your mindset walking in isn't the same. Your approach to it or where you set yourself isn't the same. What cues you're thinking of before even doing the thing, is that the same? Are you timing everything the same? All the little things, the little details that go into like all the things that are even intangibles that just are what they are about what you do need to be standard for you to continue to like progress in a way that's actually like you could write it in a logbook and know this set progressed because all of the things that are intangibles and tangibles that go into standardizing the work that's happened makes every single unit of that work meaningful and equal to one another to a certain point. Preparation needs to be exactly the same every time within the tightest margin that you could possibly get it to. Second thing, accuracy, which is close to the same, but your accuracy needs to be in place with exactly what the goal of the session is. What is your goal? Are you looking to get the most output on the day or are you looking at what is the output looking like for today, tomorrow, the next day, the next week, the next month? If you're looking at the most output on the day or the most output over broad time, you're going to have two different decisions to make on that day. You're going to have two different structures made for what that session looks like. So for you, your accuracy within sessions, what does that look like? Your accuracy is I have these things that I've been told that I need to work on to make sure that this is more efficient. That's your accuracy. Your accuracy is this is the goal today. Get the most output that I can within what my body gives me and work on all the things that I need to to make that better. That's your accuracy. Not, I need the best session possible today. What you would do would be two different things, wouldn't it? you'd be looking at how am I going to blast myself as hard as I possibly could today? If you're looking at your session performance today, that's not accurate to the goal. That's not accurate to what you need over broad time. It's not helpful. Your accuracy and what you actually have as a goal in mind over the longer period of time, not just today, needs to be there. And you need to be present and with it the whole time. Okay. Third, effort. You can show up with the first two things and screw up the third. Your effort isn't there. You're not mentally there. You're not physically there. And if you're not giving it the best that you possibly can, what are you there for? What are you there for? It really, it's not amounting to anything. If you're always going to be looking at it as all these other things are in place, but my effort is off. Why do you train? Why? Like that's, that's a big question and it's a pointed question, but it needs to be asked. Why do you train? If you feel the need to come in and do a thing, but you're going to give it, you know, a 60% effort. Why'd you come in? If you're going to do something, do it properly. And do it right the first time. Mm -hmm. And if you can't do it right the first time, figure out why and make sure that you're accountable to the fact that you didn't do it and you're going to fix it. That's it. So all three things need to be in place. Those are the biggest ones that I'd look at. And if everything else it kind of shifts and changes over time, those three things are always going to be what is going to be the most impactful on any one given day and over broad time for you actually making it towards the goal that you have and progressing through this. What would you say is the one most people fail on? I'd probably say point number three, a lot of people. It depends on what niche of the community you're looking at. Yeah. Cause there more, is more advanced, less so. I, I wouldn't even say that. I mean, I would say it depends on what your major influences are because there are, I mean, you're going to know a couple people probably offhand that you could count that they're not really all too bothered with like the Instagram bodybuilding, Instagram fitness life. But those people go in and they kill it every day. They might not be plugged in with what's going on, but they go in and they love training and they smash it every time. Those guys are very different from somebody that are, you know, they're way too plugged in 
they're way too like up into themselves in this community and they're missing accuracy. Those other guys, effort is there. Accuracy is going to be off. You look at it as they have the effort always there, but they don't really know like, okay, they're going to give the best they have every single day, but they might be spinning their wheels in some places because that effort is not well-placed. Their accuracy isn't to the point where it needs to be for them to continue to make forward steps over long, long periods of time. They might make a jump today. They might make a jump next week on this thing or that thing, but is it really amounting to the end goal that they're looking to do? Probably not because they're going to be bottlenecked in ways that are imposed by the way that they're approaching it in the first place. And then the other people that are influenced, like, well, literally figuratively, both influenced by Instagram fitness bodybuilding world. If that's your major influence, then you're going to be looking at more so looking at trying to be super meticulous on things that really amount to nothing. If effort isn't there. Really? So it's being super duper anal about how many sets of this thing is going to be within my, you know, volume landmarks, whatever you've decided is what has determined those for you because they're not a set number. They're based on the person and what their needs actually are and what they could do. But if you never really pushed your effort and your limits and you don't really know what your, your rate of progression could possibly be, it's all arbitrary. You don't know but you might even still obsess over that. You might obsess over literally every single minute detail that has ever been brought up by any smart person, quote unquote, smart person on the internet that has something to tell you. If you don't have any effort, you don't have any sort of way of applying all the things in a way that actually is cohesive and coherent in a way that's bringing you somewhere, then you're just spinning your wheels doing nothing and convincing yourself that you're right because you have a person that's smarter than you that told you that it was. And that's where those, those two different uh, subsets of people within this industry and within this endeavor are going to be different. Preparation, basically everybody sucks at. But then it's between those last two that is going to be different based off of your influences. I think that's one of the fascinating things of life. And I think in particular, more with a lockdown situation more at the moment i've become more aware of as um people's external influences on them when they suddenly their world becomes smaller because they can't physically see people and then in the uk we're still in a lockdown um covid's bullshit that's my opinion uh and then um hate me if you want to hate me and um they're then only they're only like influences from social media and the internet and then you can very suddenly see these trends of like everyone training the same or doing slightly odd things or same exercises and like, hmm, like, I'm not sure what it is, but it's, uh, is it like a barbell hack squat? Kai Green does that weird leg movement. Or was uh, it Jefferson? It's Jefferson. Like that, that I think is like the shittest exercise, but like everyone does it because like Kai Green does it. And like, hmm, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. I know exactly what you mean. It's, it's all about being influenced or being an influencer right now. And just the nature, the nature of the fact that, and that's not even just our industry, even that's, 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 that's the world right now, which is really crazy. And it's a larger social phenomenon than, than either one of us probably could put a definitive nail on it, but it's, it's ubiquitous and everybody's part of the trap in some way or another. And some of us are more cognizant of it and can fight against it, but it's always going to be an influence on all of us. As long as all the, the same social structures are in place. And with all the restrictions that, I mean, you right now in the lockdown and everywhere else really in the world for the most part are in some sort of restricted state of having to make some concessions on what it is that your influences are, what you can choose to do and what you can't and the people you can see and you can't, the activities that you can do and you can't do. Like those restrictions are going to put some hard and soft limits on what it is that you can be and experience and that's going to shape how it is that we actually like we interact with the world uh, by ourselves within ourselves and what we do personally and what we do in the eyes of others and for the eyes of others. And as those things and those start to muddy into each other, we have even like larger amounts of cognitive dissonance about what it is that our true goals and what we actually want are. And I think that's the place that a lot of people in the fitness industry are currently where kind of faced with the fact that you can't do the things 
that you would like to do and you've identified yourself as being able to do because of restrictions. It's forcing people into confronting who it is that they really are and what they really want. And without the access to the thing that makes the achievement of the goal they've decided to do the easiest to do, whether they can mentally hold on to the fact that that's part of who they are, it's being influenced by the people around them. And if the only way that they have built their identity of being this person is through the influence of others, you see them follow exactly the same trend as everybody else does because it's the only thing they can latch onto that brings them some sort of recognition of the person they once were. And so that's kind of a, a sad, a sad reality, but it's a place that a lot of people are sitting right now. So. Awesome. Um, we'll wrap up this episode of the podcast there and to make sure you guys are getting some positive influence from someone I'd highly recommend. What is your Instagram, Nick? It's just my name, Nick Gloff. Nice and easy. That's N-I-C-K-G-L-O-F-F. So I'll put that below the show notes. Yeah. Uh, Thank you very much for your time today, Nick. Absolute pleasure. And we'd love to have you on the podcast again. I feel like we've talked for hours. Uh, so if you guys found this helpful, insightful, please make sure you share the your stories. Uh, tag myself and Nick, and we'll see you next episode. So that was a truly incredible episode of the podcast with Nick. Uh, as always, I could talk all things training and maximal muscle building with him. So I'm sure you guys found it insightful, helpful, and gave you a lot of food for thought to maximize your training throughout 2021. Talking maximizing training is a few ways I can help you below this podcast and below the podcast in the show notes. So one of which you can join our CJ Shredding Squad Facebook group for free advice, tips and help from myself and the CJ Coaching team. You can join Shred and 8, which is the world's number one eight-week transformation program for just £47. You can apply to work with me uh, and the CJ Coaching team on a one-to-one coaching program by booking in your free six-pack strategy call. And then you can also subscribe to my YouTube channel where we have got free daily content going out with workouts, nutrition tips, all to help you become the ultimate best version of yourself. So we'll catch up with you next episode with uh, one of our hot guests we've got coming up, which is AJ Morris. And we will see you in the next episode.